0: You're listening to Beyond the Sermon, the podcast of First Methodist Church in Collingswood, New Jersey. On our podcast, the goal is not just to share our sermons, but to go beyond the sermon and talk about what we're learning and what God is doing in us and in our community. The conversation you're about to join was inspired by our 2023 Advent series, Make Straight the Paths. In this series, we're looking at the life and ministry of John the Baptist and what it means to prepare a way for Jesus to come to people today. You can find more information about our church at FUMCCollingswood.org. Thanks for joining us for this conversation.
1: I have so many questions.
0: (laughs) Well, good. We've got a whole podcast to fill. What are your questions, Jeremy?
1: One is completely unrelated, so I guess I'll start with the unrelated one, where as we were singing Joy to the World, apparently in my thousandth time of singing it, I finally paid attention to one of the lyrics and was very confused when I found myself repeating far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. And I was like, I don't know if I really connect with that in my heart of worship, nor do I understand the reference of the curse and why I'm singing about it in relations to joy of the world. And I was too lazy to read back in the hymnal, so I thought I'd ask you because you know everything.
0: Well, I don't know everything, contrary to what my children believe. And I perpetuate the beginning of that verse, right? It's kind of like reading the Bible. You can't just pull out a few words. Come on. That's how I win all my arguments. (laughs) Um, The beginning of that verse says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Which goes back to... The curse that God pronounces on the ground in response to Adam and Eve's disobedience mm-hmm. in the fall. Right. He curses the serpent and says, you're going to crawl on your belly and eat the dust. He curses childbearing. You know, mm-hmm. there's pain and childbearing. Very so cheery old. Christmas theme. Yep. Uh huh. And he curses the ground. He says, you're going to work hard and it's going to produce thorns and thistles Mm -hmm. instead of the good food you need uh, to survive and to provide for your family. Rather, you know, holding that in contrast to the abundance of the garden. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at the created world, when we look at all that exists, you know, we as Christians believe that there's nothing that hasn't been touched by that curse. Mm-hmm. You know, the the effect of sin didn't just impact Adam and Eve and didn't just yeah. affect humanity, but it, it affected all of creation yeah. that we were meant to steward and watch over. Yeah. And so, what we're singing when we sing that third verse of joy to the world is that we're looking forward to the day When Christ comes and everything that the curse has touched, that's how far he wants his blessings to flow. That's how Mm -hmm. far he wants to bring redemption and restoration and new creation as far as the curse has been found. Yeah,
1: I don't think I would have picked that up as
0: quickly. But then once you were like,
1: you know, curse Genesis 3. Like, I never thought of it as a curse, though God is cursing the ground. I don't know why I just didn't. My brain doesn't make that click.
0: Well, maybe we have a uh, Advent theme for next year. We'll just work through the verses of Joy to the World and all the biblical connections. Oh, you going to say curses
1: and Christmas, and then we go through various curses in Scripture. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not quite what I had in mind. Yeah, cursing but. at Christmas. Oh, that's a that's a. Well, I got the title. You know, we just got to work on the sermons. This is why I don't make the sermon series for you. <laughs> um, I got excited because you mentioned your old professor who not only was your professor a while back but is also very old and I just want to make that clarification and I have tons of love and respect for this man though I have not had the pleasure the pleasure or blessing of uh, meeting him in person um, but I feel like I have studied under him because at one point I was helping video edit some of his like classes or seminars that he was doing mm-hmm. and absolutely brilliant uh, the fact that the first one I watched he was going through a letter, one of the letters Paul's letters and he spent 20 minutes on the first three verses mm-hmm. and I wasn't bored out of my mind. Like I was invigorated. Like I was fully in and came away with like so much better appreciation. It made me better understand and also like encourage me. Like it was it was phenomenal. And so if you're into very verse by verse teaching yeah. of anything, look up John Oswalt on John Oswalt
0: Oswald? Oswald. Oswald. I thought I finally got it right. He, he didn't. He said it the way you always say it. John Oswald. O-S-W-A-L-T. Sure? I met the man. I studied with him. Yeah, I know, but I've introduced man, Mario, him everything. for things. like
1: <laughs> Come on. Oswald. Oswald. John o- It's spelled the name. either way, uh, When you're typing it on YouTube, it's going to be spelled the same. Yes. No matter how you pronounce it. O-S-W-A-L-T. And if you look up... Like him lecture, just
0: his yeah. name and lecture. You'll find stuff on Ephesians, you'll find stuff on Isaiah. He's just wrapping up now with Francis Hasbury Society a uh, study in Hosea. So I if you're interested, that'll down. be if you look at the Francis Hasbury Society um, Facebook channel or not Facebook, uh, YouTube channel, they'll, they have all those. Yeah, I'll just watch
1: that. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah, he's still
0: doing stuff. And so he was our Old Testament professor. So as much good stuff as you get out of his New Testament stuff, like it's it's in the Old Testament where he really has spent his life studying. Yeah. Um. And it was great to to study under him, and I was able to take a couple semesters of Hebrew with him, and to hear him talking about the Hebrew and um, you know, just the words and stuff like that was took took my appreciation for his work to a whole nother level.
1: Oh yeah, and if you're familiar at all with the New Living Translation, John Oswalt was one of the contributors in translating that, and did the book of Isaiah himself. Yeah, he is the lead translator on... Um- Isaiah. Yeah. And, and maybe the major prophets in general. He was the, yeah, big, the know, was his favorite. Yeah. And after hearing him teach on Isaiah, it's become, uh, it climbs up there for one of my favorite books. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, check him out. Uh, besides, remind us the phrase that you shared with us from
0: him in the service. Uh, the incarnation was not an innovation. It was the culmination of all that God had been doing since creation. Tongue twister. Yeah, he like did it during oh, yeah. service, which yeah, is yeah. great. And I just said it from memory.
1: That <laughs> very impressive. Is there uh, one other thing from him at, from your time of studying
0: that is like always stuck with you and like comes to mind frequently? So oh, not off the top of my head, but I will tell you, my first day of seminary, we uh, I had signed up and you know, we moved down to Mississippi. All that, Meg had started teaching. She'd been teaching for a couple weeks. And I go to my first day of classes, and for the morning chunk, I had three hours with Dr. Oswald for, uh, you know, Old Testament one. Mm-hmm. Our classes were just once a week, so they were scheduled for three hours at a time. So we had three hours of John Oswald teaching Old Testament one first first thing yeah. in the morning. And then that afternoon, I had three hours of systematic theology. And when I went and picked up Meg that evening, I um, said, I might have heard God wrong. This might not be for me. I might be in over my head. <laughs> Because <laughs> of the time, or you think like just because I was, or? I was so overwhelmed with like the depth of yeah their knowledge and understanding, oh and you know, I, I I didn't study Bible and theology in college. Yeah. I thought I was going to go into broadcasting, and so I studied yeah. media communication, mm-hmm. and I took a couple classes like at Asbury. We were required to take. Of course, in Old Testament and, and New Bible. Testament, and you know yeah. Christian theology, but but those three classes did not prepare me for you know six hours of seminary level education in one day. Um, yeah, and so I mean, God obviously saw me through, and I did. Yeah, and finish the my seminary to education. To but to if you're going to
1: have to get those classes to study under such amazing scholars. Yeah. Is absolutely. Such a blessing. If I were to, I've looked into it. Uh, I mean, just in general with. One day, Jeremy, of, one day I'll we'll get uh, you to seminary. But Oswald doesn't do online classes. That's true. So, like, that makes it very, very difficult to ever study under him while he's still teaching. Because teaching. as a reminder, Yes, it was a while back. Way he later. is well along in years. He is well... That's the smoothest transition you've ever provided on this entire podcast, Scott. He, <laughs> and you just had to draw attention to it instead of taking it. Come on! Do you know, know who else was well along in years? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. That was amazing. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Recap scripture story that we... That we that
0: we had for service yesterday. Because okay. I got a lot of questions for it. Okay. So Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest. He was serving in the temple one day. Uh, he and his wife were barren, they had no children, and they were old. That's the scripture says they were very old. And so he's serving one day. Angel appears to him next to the altar where he's supposed to be offering incense. And says, you're going to have a baby, and more or less, this baby is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about it much in the sermon, but after that, Zechariah is like, what do you mean? We're old, and we don't have any kids. And Zechari- or Gabriel says, since you didn't believe me, you're not going to be able to talk until the day that this baby's born. Yeah. Is that too brief of a recap? No, no, no. Nailed it. Nailed
1: it. it within that, in the scriptures of how faithful Zechariah and Elizabeth were in their faith and at the mm-hmm. temple. and um, But it seems like their biggest contribution or the only one that we know of currently, because it's the one that stood the test of time and made it through human history, their biggest contribution to the kingdom, it didn't come to them until they were well along in years. Mm -hmm. And so how can we apply that to our own walks of faith as we try to be faithful, but sometimes we want to
0: Know what our part is Mm -hmm. in the big picture. Yeah. Well, I I think there's two things there. Because, like, one, yes, their biggest contribution to the story God was telling didn't come until they were old. Yeah. You know, they'd been walking with God for a long time. But, two, their biggest contribution to the story that God was telling had very little to actually do with them. Mm -hmm. You know, they produced a son who God used in miraculous ways. But, you know, aside from these few stories here in Zechariah, or in Luke chapter 1, we don't hear about Zechariah and Elizabeth all that much. But does that mean
1: we're discrediting them for how they raised him in the faith? Yeah. And that contributes, even though it doesn't get biblical text time, (laughs) but, like, you know, that's part of how John...
0: No, absolutely. And I think that was huge because, you know, so much of the things that John talks about, his intentionality, like we talked about yesterday with the, with the location he chose to do the baptizing, uh, with the clothes that he wore mm-hmm. uh, as part of his connection with Elijah. He was born into a priestly family. Mm-hmm. And so even if all of this hadn't been prophesied over him based on who Zechariah and Elizabeth were, they still would have raised him up because he would have been part of the next generation of priests. Yeah. And so he would have gotten all that priestly education, all that mm-hmm. scriptural uh, Old Testament knowledge and and training mm-hmm. so that he could perform his duties well. And, and when he makes
1: those ties back to Elijah through his... Um, Dress, but then there's also references in Scripture back to older scriptures talking about Elijah and him being like the Elijah that was prophesied. And then I, and then I think back to Elijah and the unique things of Elijah and you touch back on on the story with um, Baal and, and all yep. that kind of stuff. but Elijah's the only other person in Scripture besides Jesus that ascends into heaven. Why was he that great? How is he, he's not even considered one of the, uh, one of the patriarchs of the faith, but you said there was Moses at one and then Elijah one a, how did we go? How did we jump over Jacob, Abraham, and put Elijah up there? Or like, why are those people more potentially famous and familiar in our current Christian culture versus, versus the importance that Elijah has in Jewish culture?
0: Mm-hmm back then or now. I think part of it was was that role that he was called to play. Like all those patriarchs, like they kind of played their part, they died, they went on. But Elijah's part in in trying to turn the hearts of the people back to God and point them back to God from their idolatry was so iconic to the whole prophetic ministry you know we we look at the old testament and a good chunk of it is these prophetic books you know what we call the the major prophets and the minor prophets which has nothing to do with their significance right and everything to do with the length of of their books you know isaiah would have taken up a whole scroll itself. Mm -hmm. The 13 minor prophets were all written on one scroll. Mm -hmm. So you got the major and the minor prophets. And and they all kind of find as their archetype uh, Elijah who who was sent. And as we're reading the story of Scripture, he's really the first kind of big prophet who appears on the scene. There are some... Other small ones, um, like there's the the prophet Nathan, who comes to David when he's um, you know, had this adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and killed mm-hmm. her husband Uriah um, yeah. and all that. And he comes and calls out the king's sin. Um, but he doesn't have a book of the Bible. And Elijah doesn't have a book of the Bible. Like, there's, there's nowhere we can point to the book of Elijah. Yeah. But, um, you know, so much of... First Kings and Second Kings tells the story of his life and ministry. I think it's it's the significance that's given kind of in order of priority. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then also the fact that in a book like Malachi, it's prophesied that God's going to send this messenger, this one like Elijah. Who was to come um, before he sent the Messiah. And so. Did it say like Elijah or did it say Elijah? And that's why some people were specifically looking for him. So Malachi 3 1 says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Mm-hmm. And then in 4 5, he says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day that the Lord comes. So do we believe in reincarnation? We do not. Well, then it says it's going to be Elijah, and then it's not Elijah. But Gabriel says, right? Yeah. Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to do these things that Mm -hmm. Malachi prophesied Elijah would do. So Malachi was wrong, and we can't trust the rest of his book. No, I think... I think Malachi speaking prophetically, and the prophets often spoke poetically, mm. um, yeah, you know, was saying one thing without saying exactly the words he said, yeah. like uh, we read in the responsive reading yesterday the the grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Mm. Well, the Word of God doesn't actually stand up anywhere. But they use this this poetic language to communicate these truths that go beyond just the the face value, yeah, reading of their words, yeah. So hopefully that answers the question. Yes, but I also want to go back um, to talking about your question before that about Zechariah and Elizabeth's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. The Christian life isn't about getting credit. It's not about getting recognized. No. It is about getting debt. Um, debt canceled. Oh, debt. Yeah, debt. What did you I think? I it? dead. It's about getting dead. Yeah, it's about getting dead. <laughs> dead to self and alive to Christ, right? That's what Paul said. I agree with all of these. Yeah, continue. Uh, but anyway, it's not about getting credit. And I think we're too quick to look to the people who have made you know, what we would consider a noteworthy impact Mm. on the world or the kingdom of God and say, oh, if we don't do that, then we're not really doing what God's asked us to do or Mm. we're not doing all that God could do through us. And we fail to take into account that you don't have John the Baptist without Zechariah and Elizabeth and their faithfulness over years and years. You don't have someone like John Wesley without having his mom and dad who were faithful in prayer and ministry and yeah. you know searching and studying the scriptures to to raise up people like this. You know some families you end up with these you know generations and generations of preachers. Mhm. Yeah. Not my family. No, I'm the no, no. first one. you know. And so we need to remember that the work that God is doing in the world doesn't always take place in the public realm where people mm-hmm. can see it. A lot of times it happens in the hidden places and in the quietness of a faithful life lived out. Um, what Eugene Peterson called a long obedience in the same direction. Mm. And I think if we aspire to that, then whatever God wants to do with it, he'll do with it. Yeah. And it might not happen in our lifetime. It might happen through someone we impact. It might happen through... A child we give birth to or someone we disciple and raise up in the faith. But all that requires patience. Absolutely. That's why we talked about waiting. Because it's in that waiting, it's in that patience, it's in that faithfulness that we give God space to to work and do what he's going to do.